All right. Well, if you've got your Bible tonight, I want you to look with me at two particular openings to start, and that is Proverbs 29, Proverbs 29, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Proverbs 29, 2 Corinthians 4. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you again tonight that we can be together. Thank you for your spirit who is here. Lord, we give the spirit of God free course to move and do and speak and have his way. We yield ourselves as vessels that you can use and flow through. Ask for utterance in the Holy Ghost, boldness to speak your word. And Lord, and pray that each person would have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are open and receptive. Lord, do a work in us today. Do a special thing. Communicate with us what we need to know now so that we can live victorious in this life and be a blessing to all around us and make a difference in this short time that we have on the earth. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you were here with us last week, you know that we began speaking to you about vision of victory. All right, and that was what was alluded to a little bit earlier about how God always causes us to triumph. There are no off days in heaven, and the Lord has no time when He deals with you and wants you to fall on your face. All right, well, I just want them to fall on their face so they'll learn their lesson. Well, that's not really how the Lord teaches us a lesson. Do we know that that's true? I know sometimes people have been re- religiously brainwashed into thinking that the Lord will sometimes knock you down or at least allow you to be knocked down so that you can learn your lesson in a few areas so you, he can teach you some things. But I always wonder when I hear that kind of thinking, well, what about the Holy Spirit who was sent to be our teacher and to be our guide? Doesn't that work anymore? <laughs> what about First John that says it's the anointing that teaches us all things? That's which is the same, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What about... Ephesians chapter 4, God, uh, Jesus set, God set some in the church, apostles, remember, I'm not quoting that first part exactly right, but apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and what? Teachers. Teachers. What about all that? I'm thinking, that's God's method. Me falling on my face is unnecessary. Now, if I do fall on my face and make some mistakes and do some things, hopefully I'll learn from it. But again, I'm not going to attribute that to God's way of teaching me. All right. Praise God. And so uh, the Lord does want us to learn. He wants us to go up. He wants us to have victory in every circumstance and situation. He wants you and I to be victorious. It's always what he's leading us in. And most of the time now, how is this going to work? Well, let me say it this way. All of the time, this is how it's going to work. First is he's going to communicate with us. He's going to communicate with us through another person, through the reading of the word, through some different methods, through some different ways. He's going to communicate what we are to do, what we are to stand on, what we are to to believe, what we are to avoid so that we wind up in victory because that's just the way he thinks. He's a big, big God and he always wins. And you and I are on his side. And if we're walking with him, we're going to win too. 
Now, when I say walking with Him, that includes paying attention and listening, but continually uh, looking to Him for direction and answers and instruction, then we're going to win too. Amen? Now, listen, you might be in a situation, maybe right now, where it doesn't look like you're winning. doesn't look like things are going so well. Listen, that's a snapshot. Let's look at the big picture. You're not done yet. Your heart's still beating. Okay? Things are still moving. God's still on your side. Refuse to quit. Refuse to give in. Refuse to submit to failure. Refuse to give in to defeat. And say, I may not look so great right now, but I'm coming out. I'm rising up. I'm coming out of this circumstance and this troublesome time. Come on, it may be a financial difficulty or an attack in your physical body, but you're still here. You're still alive. Come on now. And so we're going up and we're going over and we are going to win. Praise God. Someone said, I know that, you know, people talk about being healed, but some people, you know, they don't get healed till they get to heaven. Well, actually, when you get to heaven, you don't need to be healed because your sick body stayed here. So when the Lord talks about healing, he's not talking about going to heaven. That's never the circumstance, never the case. None of us, there's going to be no healing ministries in heaven. <laughs> hmm? Because in that situation, there'll be no sickness, there'll be no disease. And, uh, and ultimately, I mean, of course, if a person doesn't get it, and they don't get what the Lord uh, provided for them in this life, well, thank God they're not going to have it forever, and that is a victory of sorts. But I'd just as soon get it here. Okay, and I must keep out of my mind any, any uh, area or room for thinking that, well, maybe I'm just going to be healed there. No, no, not going to need healed there. The very moment you step out of your physical body, your spirit being a born-again child of God has already been made perfect. There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with it. Zero wrong with it. You step out of your body, everything's right. Okay, and of course, if we want everything to be right on the outside, I do. I want everything to be right in my life. Uh, well, then, of course, I need to learn to yield out of the part, uh, yield to, and walk out of the part of me that is right. Put on the new man. Huh? I need to walk out of the part of me that's already been made righteous and holy and clean and pure and powerful, full of faith, full of victory, full of joy. These things are a part of our recreated human spirit in Christ. Praise God. And so we're going to live from the inside out and let that dominate us. But again, anyway, God told us that, that He always causes us to triumph. And this is what we need to have a vision for in our lives, a vision of victory. Not of defeat, not of failure, not of barely making it, not of scraping through, hold on till the end. And please, Lord, rescue me. May the rapture come so I don't have to pay off my credit card. Huh? Uh, that ought not be our vision for life. That ought not be our goal and our desire. No, I want to be on top because I'm an incredible witness when I am. It makes the Lord look good when I trust Him and He provides for me, gives me victory in my body, gives me victory in my finances, gives me peace of mind. <laughs> Come on now, I've got a smile on my face serving the Lord and I'm glad about it. That's what a Christian is supposed to look like. Amen. Are we on His side? <laughs> Abe said, I don't really see myself that way. I know that's why we're preaching this though. So that can change. And we can see ourselves going in the right direction, going there uh, at the right time, and the Lord coming through for us every single time. Aren't you glad He's faithful? Come on, He'll never let you down, never let you go under, never, never let you, uh, you fall to the wayside. Uh, what did David say about the righteous? He said, I've never seen the righteous 
forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Come on, the Lord takes care of us. He's not going to let you down. He's not, not, he, he's not going to not come through for you. He's there for you every single time. Amen. Well, the Lord is good. We didn't even get to Proverbs yet. Praise God. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. Verse 18, vision of victory. Verse 18, of course, says where, uh, what does it say? I'm in the wrong place. There we go. It says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Now, that's the New King James Version, which I uh, typically will minister out of. King James Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And you can see the word revelation and vision very, very much speaking of, well, it is the speaking of the same thing, just a different translated word. But I'm using that word vision for our series because uh, a vision is something you see. Really, a revelation is the same thing. But uh, we are to see what the Lord wants for us. And he relates this here to the law. We would say in our day, because we're not under the law of Moses, we would say the word of God, whatever he speaks to us, if I will keep that before me and keep that in my life, I'm going to be happy. Right? I mean, it might sound kind of cruel. I don't suggest you say this to everybody. But if someone's sad, how come you're not keeping the word? Say, things aren't going so well for me. Why aren't you keeping the word? <laughs> I know that's kind of, that's, that sounds kind of hard. <laughs> but here it says, if we keep this, we'd be happy. Amen. And the Lord has good things for us to see. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, this was also what we shared with you last time. want to re review it again. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And... Verse 18, it says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now again, we must make this point. We are instructed very clear and very plain to look at invisible stuff. We are told to look at things that we cannot see. Of course, it seems like, man, that's impossible. How can you do that? But obviously, he's not talking about physical eyesight. I cannot physically see something that is not in the physical world. But I am supposed to be not limited to the physical world and what I physically see. I am to be looking beyond that. We are instructed to have vision and look at things that are invisible. Things not seen. What can you see in your life that you can't see? What are you looking at? I'm serious. I want you to think about it. What are you looking at that cannot be seen with the physical eye? If your life is limited to what you can see physically and the sense realm, I'm going to tell you, you are limited. You are not partaking of a vast abundance of stuff that God has made available for us. If I'm ever going to walk in what I can't see, I first must look at it. And I like how the scripture says here, he goes on to say, for the things which are seen are temporary. 
That is really good news if you've got any kind of stuff going on, any kind of negative stuff. If you can see it, it's temporary. Everything. This building is temporary. Why? Because I can see it. Hmm? Say, well, th- what about, what, what about uh, you know, a, a sickness in someone's body? Well, it's temporary. And he's making the point, if you look at stuff that's not seen, that's the eternal stuff. That's the stuff that's not subject to change. It is immovable and irreplaceable. It is eternal, so focus on that. Because everything you see is subject to change. That means there is power and there is anointing and there is God's Word made available. And if applied, it will start moving stuff. What stuff? I mean, physical things that we can see. So I got this growth on my arm. Can you see it? Good. It's temporary. That means it is not a permanent fixture. It is subject to the will of God and power of God. It's subject to change. It can move. And the moment we start looking at the invisible attributes of what God has provided, that's when the physical world starts changing. Hmm. I mean, I, I, we can look at it just from, a, from, from this standpoint. Many times a person's life is quite chaotic and stressful and sinful, and they just their life is a mess until they look to the invisible one. They look to the one that they cannot see. They look to the Lord. What happens? When they look to Him, they look at things that are immovable and incha- unchangeable. All of a sudden... A change happens in them and their complete life, which they can see and everyone else around them can't see, it starts changing. It's being altered because they looked to something else. Let's not just be looking at physical stuff. Let's not just be looking at natural answers. Man, how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to make this happen? There are some things you're just not. I mean... You're, you're just not going to be able to do it. I mean, are, are we involved in something here that is just natural and with enough mental effort and enough energy we can do it? Or are we involved with something that without the power of God, it's, nothing's going to happen? You know, I remember hearing, hearing a quote. Uh, I believe it was Billy Graham who made this quote. But it went something like this. He said, uh, in the early church, in the book of Acts, 90% of what they did was dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit, or it wouldn't have been accomplished. He, then he went on to say, today in the church at large, 90% of what's being done would continue if the Holy Spirit were not there. In other words, about 10% people were leaning upon the Lord, and about 90% they were just conducting programs and doing stuff that you could do without Him. I think, yikes. I think, man, I sure don't want that to be the testimony of my life or the reputation of our church that, man, they have a good program. I mean, nothing wrong with a good program, but let's have the power of God. Let's have the invisible being manifest. Let's have things that man cannot figure out how to fix. Let's have a life that someone cannot change. And the moment they look at something invisible, here comes God on the scene and everything becomes different. Everything changes. That's the will of God. That's the way we're supposed to be. But we've got to have this vision now. We've got to have this vision of victory. God is doing something special. Praise God. Let me encourage you again. I don't want anyone to miss this. You got something in your life you can see? I'm really speaking about things that are wrong now. Because 
you got something in your life that's not right? Can you see it? It doesn't have any permanent hold on you. Say, but it's been in my family for generations. So? So what? <laughs> well, everybody's helping me tonight, huh? <laughs> if you can see it, though, it's temporary. Immediately see it that way. No, but they said this condition is terminal. Temporary. But they say people don't get better from this. It just kind of gets worse and kind of say, temporary. Say, but you mean temporary. I don't, I'm not going to have it when I go to heaven. Well, listen, it depends on how you see it. If it's bad, you're right. You're not going to have it when you go to heaven. But if we see it as temporary now, it's already lost its grip in your life. If I agree with whatever report I get that says this doesn't change, you can't avoid this. You know, you can't get out of this circumstance. This condition in your, in your body never changes or whatever the case may be. Well, then it's going to stay that way. That's not good news, but we must change our vision. I cannot change things on the outside until I change my vision on the inside. This is really how God created us to work. Okay? This is true. Now listen. This is true beyond serving God. This is true in the human race, period. That when people get a picture or a vision of something for their life, that's where they're going. That's the direction they're heading. That's why oftentimes people, aside from the Lord, can be successful and build, and build a business or do something with their life, and they you know, are very successful. They saw it. They had a vision, and it was inside of them, and then later it happened on the outside. How much more can we, with the power of God, with His Word and unchanging faithfulness toward us, have vision for our lives and for People around us, our family, our church, and our city have a vision for something great. God used... Now, you remember, we, we looked at Genesis 15 as well. We might not need, not need to turn there again tonight. But in Genesis 15, how the Lord came to Abram and talked to him how, about how he was his shield and exceeding great reward and, uh, and how he was going to uh, basically... Uh, make him the father of many nations. And initially, Abraham, or Abram at the time, had trouble with that because he said, look, look at me. Look how old I am. Look at my wife. She's old too. And, uh, and, and she's barren. And he was looking at the natural things around him and that limited where he was ever going to go. And God came in. He said, Noah, Abram, you look. And he pointed at him pointed to him and said, I want you to go outside. I want you to look at the stars. That's what your seed is going to be like. That's what your kids, that's how many, that's what you're going to, you're going to become. You ever been on, outside on a, a, a dark night when you're not affected by city lights and you see the amazing amount of stars? It's just, that's what Abraham looked at. And as soon as he did, the Bible said that he believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. I think it's interesting that God used a natural vision to inspire a spiritual vision. God told him what he wanted to do in him. But Abraham said, look at me. And God said, no, you look out there. That's what it's going to be like. And I can see by this that what we see with our physical eye can become a vision on the inside of us. 
I cannot continue toward what my goal is if I'm constantly looking at the wrong thing. Our sight is so very key to where we're going. And if I don't focus on the right thing, I'm going to, uh, well, I'm going to reproduce the negative things that I'm looking at. We can get real natural here, talk about some practical stuff. Uh, we live in a television culture. TV, movies, internet, vi see stuff, look at video, and a lot of it's really cool. A lot of it's really great. But we, not, we need to understand as believers the impact of what we see. The impact on our own selves and our own vision that this has. And this is where TV and movies and, you know, stuff on the internet and all this can be a big problem. And when I say this, I'm not speaking from a standpoint of you're a good person or a bad person or you're holy or unholy. Not, not, not talking about that at all. We need to be wise and recognize that what we see gets in us. And if we see something enough and long enough, it paints a picture that we will reproduce in our lives. I told you last week about my experience in Panama, okay? And those people in this particular place, how what they saw was not so great, and they reproduced it generation after generation. And somehow our vision has to be changed. But again, a person um, who gets a picture, let's say someone who just watches anything and everything on TV night after night and month after month, year after year. A lot of stuff on there is not so good, okay? Not so good for the picture that we want inside. But they continually see pictures of evil and immorality. How many know this principle holds true? It's only a matter of time till that person lives that out. Till what they see gets reproduced in their life. Okay, now, I know that there is, uh, there is and has been debate over the, the subject of what's on TV, what's in the movies, and so forth. Uh, is that a reflection of society, or does it actually cause society to go a particular way? And there are people that argue both sides uh, pretty strong. And m my view of this is I think there's both elements in there. I think to some degree it is reflecting things that are happening. But I know this principle too well. There is no question in my mind that it is also causing the realities of what's being shown to be manifest in our culture. And people feed on this and they see it hours and hours a day for years. And what do you get? Well, you get the culture that we have right now. It has produced this. It has produced much of the ills of society that we have. I mean, who would have imagined, just for, as one example, who would have imagined that people would have parades in our country? 
celebrating and putting on on display uh, homosexual behavior and people dressing like, wow, <laughs> and, and doing that. Who would have, how does that happen in our culture? Well, people see stuff and they get worn down and, they, and, and, and pretty soon it's acceptable. Almost to the place where you can't say anything negative because then you're considered some type of hater. How in the world did that happen? I mean, we live here, this is our country, and that's the reality that, that, that exists today. Wow, that's amazing. See, when, when things get on, uh, you know, again, television and different things, and we accept it, and we say, okay, I'll fork out my money to see this, and I'll watch this and just feed myself. with. I'm changing the, the picture that's inside of me. And what's going to happen is that's going to reproduce, be reproduced. I'm not saying, are you saying that if I, watch a, if I watch something homosexual that I'm going to become that? Well, no. Not everyone. But I am, we need to re- realize this. People have uh, personalities that are different and some people are more susceptible to different things than others. Some people are, they become an alcoholic much easier than other people. Some people struggle with sexual things more than other people, right? There's all kinds of different areas. And so am I saying that, you're saying that I'm going to become that? No, but I am saying that some people will because that vision gets on there and they already have a temptation in that area and that's how a lot of stuff happens. So you think, you think we could change the direction of our country as far as some of the moral issues of our day? Well, I don't think this is going to happen, but if you could cut it out of all the media, it would change probably overnight. Practically overnight. There'd be a steep change because all of a sudden people would be seeing something different. But, I mean, how do you make that happen? I'll leave that one for you to, for you to fix. <laughs> all right. I came across something one time. Um, this is, I don't know where I got it. It's called the 23rd channel. Anybody aware, anybody aware of the 23rd Psalm? This is the 23rd channel. It says the TV is my shepherd. My spiritual growth shall want. It makes me to sit down and do nothing for his name's sake because it requires all my spare time. It keepeth me from doing my duty as a Christian because it presenteth so many shows that I must see. It restoreth my knowledge of the things of the world and keepeth me from the study of God's word. It leadeth me in the paths of failing to attend evening worship services and doing nothing in the kingdom of God. Yea, though I live to be a hundred, I shall keep on viewing television as long as it will work, for it is my closest companion. Its sounds and its picture, they comfort me. It presenteth entertainment before me. And keepeth me from doing important things with my family. It fills my head with ideas which differ from those set forth in the word of God. Surely no good thing will come of my life. Because my television offereth me no good time to do the will of God. Thus I will dwell crownless in the house of the Lord forever. (laughs) Uh, 
Here's one stat I got from uh, USA Today. It said in the average home, a television set is turned on for more than a third of the day. Eight hours, 14 minutes. Average. It's from Nielsen. Uh, the average person watches four hours, 35 minutes of television each day. Now, say, Pastor, you're kind of really hitting me where it hurts. <laughs> I'm not against television. I have a big one. <laughs> if you're going to watch it, might as well be big, sound good. I'm not saying it's, it's evil inherently of itself. Okay. No one feel condemned or feel guilty. In fact, I'm not even saying if you watch four hours and 35 minutes or more that you're a bad person. What I am saying is watch your vision. Because what you see over and over and over is going to put a picture on the inside of you. And over time, that's what your life will become. It's, it's, that's, that's what you pr produce. And we know that there's some nice things on television. There's some that's kind of probably neutral. And, uh, and there's some, some bad stuff that really gives us a picture and understanding of some very evil things happening. And if I just look at that day in and day out, I, I shouldn't deceive myself into thinking, well, it doesn't affect me. It affects everybody else, but, you know, I'm different. It doesn't really impact me. Well, that's just not true. It is impacting us just little by little, little by little. You're saying I shouldn't watch TV? No, I'm not telling you that at all, but I'm saying most people should watch far less and we should be watchful of what we're looking at and what we look at day after day after day after day I cannot have a vision of victory unless I have another source of sight unless I have something else to look at unless I have something else to put my attention on you know you hear talk and and uh studies of how uh, so many people say in our day that they just don't have very much time to spend with their families just so little time with work and travel and not so much time to spend with their families but when you run across a stat like this you wonder well I might be able to find you four and a half hours to spend with your family okay Let's just not deceive ourselves, because I've, I've done it before. I thought, man, I'm so busy. But if I really thought about it, I did watch TV for two hours. <laughs> Probably could have cut that in half and had an extra hour to get some stuff done, or whatever, or spend time with the family, or uh, come to church. Hmm. Know what I'm talking about? Say, but I like to relax in front of the TV. I know it, I do too, but I'm not sure I'm really relaxed at the end of it. Instead, I'm choo, 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 got these things going, and it, 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 it enhances my dreams that night, and <laughs> so I don't sleep as well. You know what I'm talking about? I, I know what that. I know you want to kick back, and instead of just looking at nothing, so you turn it on. I, I just really believe this. A lot of times, people, you know, say on a, a Wednesday night service, people work all day. They're tired, and I'm, you know, we're preaching to the choir. You're here, praise God. But just so we understand this point, we think, man, you know, I'm just too tired to get to church and so forth. I would bet, if we really were to analyze it, if you sat under the Word for a period of time and, and praised the Lord for a period of time, that you'd go home and the next day wake up more refreshed yeah. than if you went down, went home and right after work, 
sat on the couch and turned the TV on for three or four hours. I know the one seems more relaxing because here you have to stay awake. (laughs) You have to pay attention. But if you really do receive the word and God is ministering to you, I really believe the next day you'll be better off. I've always encouraged. I know sometimes people don't come to church in any type of night meeting because of their children. And kids have to get up early for school. And, and some will say, you know, my kids just need so many hours of sleep. And, uh, and I understand that. Having kids myself, I understand that they need sleep. And if they don't get enough, things change. Uh, but it's always been our, our policy. And I know we're in ministry. You might think that's different. But it's always been our policy that if they need to stay up late for church, that God's going to make up the difference. And that they're going to be better off. I realize, practically speaking, you can't do that every single night of the week and not give them enough sleep. That's not, that's not right and that's not correct. But on occasion, can they stretch a little bit to get the word? Absolutely they can. Amen. And that will affect their vision. <laughs> wow. You look at some of the studies, uh, which I didn't write them all down or bring them all with me, but when you get into the, into the lives of children these things are magnified it's not four hours it's like it's like five and a half i forget some of the stats i read but it's even bigger when when between ages two and 18 wow that's not a good way to start your life because what are they seeing man they're seeing so much stuff and you might think well let's watch a family program i but some of the commercials you can't even watch huh you ever been watching something maybe with, with with kids and you're thinking, okay, this is, you know, an okay program and I'm sitting there with them. But then the commercial comes on and you go, yikes, I don't want to explain that to them. And they ask, dad, what's a, <laughs> uh, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and you're quickly flipping to get something, something else during the commercial. It's sad, but that's the world we live in. And we need to be wise and watch what we do. To change things around us, we must first change things inside of us. And our spirit is right. If you receive Jesus, you're, you're, you're clean, you're forgiven, you've been made righteous and holy. But I'm talking about our vision. I'm talking about uh, the eye of our imagination. Do you have a vision for your life? Where are you going and what are you becoming? Okay. The things that you hear, things that you see big time are painting a picture. And that's your future. Okay, praise God. What, what can we do? What are some practical steps? You know, before I get into that, let's, not, let's just go over to Genesis 30. We'll, we'll, we'll finish up in, in this chapter tonight. Genesis chapter 30. This is a very interesting story that shows us the reality of the practical side of what we see and I'm talking about what we see with our physical eye how it changes what actually happens in us and around us Genesis 30 and we want to look over here at we want to begin in verse 25 Genesis 30 verse 25 some of you may know the story of Jacob and Esau and how Jacob left and then he was with Uncle Laban and he worked there for a long time and, uh, and uh, 
reap what he sowed. <laughs> and uh, anyway, Uncle Laban wasn't exactly treating him right either. In, in verse 25, it came to pass when Rachel had, had borne Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go for you know my service which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, please stay. If I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Will the Lord ever bless someone else because you're with them? Yeah, you belong to Him. Somebody blesses you, they get blessed. Amen. Your very presence, because the Spirit of God is on you, is going to help other people around you. Anyway, verse 28. Then he said, Name me your wages, and I will give it. So Jacob said to him, You know how I have served you, and how your livestock has been with me. For what? You had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming, and now when shall I provide for my own house? So he said, What shall I give you? Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep. And all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled goats uh, among the goats. And these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come. When the subject of my wages comes before you, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. And Laban said, oh, that it were according to your word. In other words, yeah, I like that. This sounds pretty good. So he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had some white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and gave them into the hand, hand of his sons. Then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees, peeled white strips in them and exposed the white that was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters, in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So, in other words, these things, these stripes are in the water, in the troughs, and the animals, what do they do when they put their face in there? What are they doing? They're drinking, and what are they looking at? Stripes and spots and stuff. So the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks, what did they do? Brought forth, streaked, speckled, and spotted. Wow. How did he get them to have the kind of animals that he got to keep? He got them to look at something. Again, natural stuff, what they saw with their physical eye, produced spotted and speckled offspring. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the street, and all the brown, all the brown in the flock of Laban, he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flock. And it came to pass whenever the stronger livestock conceived that Jacob placed the rods before the, uh, the eyes of the livestock in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods. Just the, He wanted the strong ones. 
But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants and camels and donkeys. <laughs> Jacob used vision to prosper, didn't he? Now he maybe say he ripped Laban. Well, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> Laban agreed. <laughs> but the power of what we look at I believe is bigger than we've given credit when I'm looking at something I'm giving my attention it is changing things inside of me and what the picture I have inside is going to be produced on the outside if I can see it I can be it if I'm going to see it in me today it's going to be my future which makes it so very important what I look at what I'm focusing on. Abraham heard the promise of God about the, uh, being a father of many nations. And he saw the stars. And that picture got in him. And it produced something in him. Caused him to believe God. And it was accounted unto him for righteousness. What are we looking at? It's important that we both cut off some negative images. But it's also important that we begin to see what we want to be the reality in our future. And a lot of things we could talk about practically here, and we'll probably get into it, into it at a later time. But who are you watching? Who do you look up to? What people are, are, are a vision before you? Too many times people are following the wrong crowd. They're, they're, they're looking up to the wrong people, and they're not projecting where they want to be. Man, you've got you to look at something else. You've got to follow someone else. And ultimately, what we want to see is the invisible attributes of every promise and provision that God has given us. And when I can see that, when I close my eyes, and I see my arm different, because God said it was, because he said in 1 Peter 2.24 that by the stripes I was healed. When I can close my eyes and I don't, I don't any longer see a pile of bills. I don't any longer see all kinds of debt and struggling. But I see myself free. Some people live in fear. Fear of a bad marriage. Fear of a bad future. Things falling apart and not working out. That vision needs to change. You need to be able to close your eyes and see things working out. See things getting better. See yourself, like we, we spoke to you before, see yourself doing things that it is your desire, but you can't ever imagine yourself doing it. Man, your imagination's a powerful thing. And too many times it's used for for wrong stuff and it drags us down it becomes a hindrance to us our imagination goes wild and we're imagining things that are that are wrong and, and sinful and evil and just just not profitable in any way would it be wrong for us to use our mind and our imagination to imagine good things to imagine god using us in a special way to see yourself being successful and fruitful and influential Man, I think we need Christians who carry much influence. How can we help our society and our country? By you 
being on top of being on top of life by you who love God and are submitted to his purposes and his will by you carrying great authority and influence in the world that's how we change stuff you know sometimes people think well those some of those groups that you know they they teach prosperity and victory and everything going to be good and it's just all self-serving and selfish and they don't have a clue don't have a clue at all the end result in this is that more people are influenced for the kingdom and if it's not then someone is I think off base but that's God God created us and like he told Abraham in another place he's going to bless him to be a blessing and that should be the goal of all of our lives but in the middle of that must I be blessed I must it's absolutely necessary for me to be prosperous and healthy and have peace in my mind to have a good relationship with my wife and my kids it's necessary because I can be more fruitful and more productive and a better witness when that is the case and if I want that to happen I've got to have the right image inside of me I've got to have a vision that comes straight from heaven a vision of good things to come amen and the Lord is a master at painting a good picture for us Come on, how many have imagined streets of gold? He didn't have to tell us that, but he did. He wanted us to be able to see it. Yeah, what's, what's in our future someday in heaven? Uh, uh, and you use pictures like, he uses pictures like that and words that create something that we can see. He made us to be that way. Amen. I don't know about you, but we're going up. Amen. Victory is our future. Victory is what the Lord has provided. And as we recognize the part that vision plays in this, oh, I tell you what, any of us can change our future. Amen. Change the direction we're going. What are you looking at? Praise God. Father, thank you today for, for being with us, for being for us. Thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, you're a good, good God. Wonderful are you. We honor and bless you today. Thank you for helping us to see for helping us to rise up in victory. Glory to God. Father, I pray for those tonight who all they can all they can see is defeat. All they can see is failure. They're, they they want to see bright days. They want to see what you've promised. They're struggling to see it. Father, open their eyes today, I pray. Help them to see and comprehend and understand what you have for them, what you want for them. Lord, you're so good. Such a good, good God. Lord, I give you all the praise. You're a wonderful Savior. Wonderful Lord. Thank you for leading us in the way that we should go. And helping us to see clearly your wonderful and great plan for us. We want to be right in the middle of it not missing a step, not turning to the right or to the left. But Lord, we give you all the praise, all the thanksgiving. Thank you for doing a mighty thing and a mighty work in this place now. You're a good, good God.